0: Well, good morning and welcome to Calvary Baptist Church. My name is Mary Alice and I'm one of the ministers here at Calvary. And if you are new in this place, we are especially glad you're here. We want you to know that you are welcome here at Calvary. You will need a worship folder and one of the hymnals in front of you to guide you in our worship together this morning. Um, But also we would be honored for the chance to follow up with you later this week by email or phone call just to get to know you better. And one way that can happen is if you would be willing to fill out the visitor card in your pew and place it in the offering plate later in the service. That's also a way that you can ask for more information about different ministries here at Calvary or to let us know how we can be praying for you and with you in the coming weeks let's remember our youth who are usually sitting right here in this space is a bit empty this morning. Um, our youth, along with our youth minister, Allie, and several of our youth leaders um, have been at their midwinter retreat this weekend, almost 30 of them, and they will be traveling back here this morning during worship. So let's remember to keep them in prayer. I've already heard great reports, and I know we can't wait to hear more about all that they have experienced together this weekend. Well, today we are continuing our Epiphany worship series here at Calvary. Last Sunday was actually Epiphany Sunday when we celebrate the Magi coming to see the Christ child as the star guided their way. But the reality is that having an Epiphany is an experience to which all of us can relate in some way. And there are Epiphany moments all throughout the Bible moments when people experienced God's presence with them in an unexpected way and they were forever changed. And so during the month of January, we will be exploring what it looks like for us to be people who really believe in epiphanies. And Not only that, but who are brave enough to follow where they lead. And so may we have open hearts open minds and open souls to encounter the God of epiphanies in new and surprising ways as we worship together.
1: Sovereign God, gives us the awareness of your presence. Awaken us to your glory and power. Help us to be grateful and enjoy you when you are the provider, steadfast, loving God. Help us to be vulnerable and still enjoy you when you are the energized, boundless, surprising God. God who knows our hearts, if we could see the journey whole, we might never undertake it. We might never dare the first step that propels us from the place we have known toward the place we know not. Help us to trust the mercies of the road, that we see it only by the stages as it opens before us, as it comes into our keeping step, by single step. Help us to trust that there is nothing for this journey but to go. And by going, take the vows all pilgrims take, to be faithful to the next step, to rely on more than the map, to heed the signposts of intuition and dream to keep an open eye for the wonders that attend the path, to press on beyond distractions, beyond fatigue, beyond what would tempt us from the way, to follow the star that only each of us can recognize. Help us to trust the secret promises of our unique paths and the new promises we will need to make when the road is revealed by turns we could not have foreseen. However, you can see the road, the turns, because you are all-knowing. Make us again into people of epiphanies, people of surprises, people of courage and trust. In your matchless name we pray. Amen.
2: Exodus
3: the whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness the Israelites said to them if only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of the bread for you have brought us out of this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger
2: the Lord spoke to Moses and said I have heard the complaining of the Israelites say to them at twilight you shall eat meat and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread then you shall know that I am the Lord your God
3: in the evening quails came up and covered the camp and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp when the layer of dew lifted There on the surface of the wilderness was a fine, flaky substance, as fine as the frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was.
2: And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather as much of it, as each of you needs, and give a portion to a person according to the number of persons, all providing for those in their own tents.
3: The Israelites did so, some gathering more, some less. But when they measured it, those who gathered much had nothing over. And those who gathered little had no shortage. They gathered as much
2: as each of them needed. A reading from Isaiah.
3: But now thus saith the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine.
2: And when you pass through the water, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life.
3: Do not fear, I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away, and my daughters from the end of
2: the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made.
3: This is the word of God for the people of God.
4: Sometimes our life surprises the child of God who sings. The theme of God's salvation and find it ever new. Set free from present sorrow, we cheerfully can say, Let the unknown tomorrow bring with it what it may. It can bring with it nothing. the lily's clothing will clothe his children too. Beneath the spreading heavens, no creature but is fed, and he who feeds the ravens will give his children bread.
5: If you are new today, uh, you might not know this man that's uh, sitting beside me, but if you've been here more than once, you do know Tom. Uh, Everybody at Calvary knows Tom Purdy. I think Tom Purdy was the very first person at Calvary that I met, because even in the old days when we didn't have the Welcome Center, Tom stood out there by the street and welcomed people Uh, Tom has been a great friend for a long time, and um, just to say one positive thing, Tom asked me not to say anything positive about him, but (laughs) since I did happen to think of one thing, I'll say it, and that is that Tom has been such a great friend to our children, and I am forever grateful for the way that Tom has nurtured our children and loved them and cared for them and welcomes them when they come home. And that means a lot to me. Tom and Jan have been at Calvary since August of 1991. Um, A long time for some of you and not so much for others of us, but a long time at Calvary. Thank you, Tom. Tom is a person that always is full of ideas. Uh, Every time you talk to Tom, he always has new ideas. And he's someone that I've come to value for the way that he thinks of new things. He has the ability to see a situation as it is and imagine it as it might be. He often uh, will come up to me and we'll have conversation and Tom will say, I've been thinking or remind me to tell you something that's come to my mind and I've learned to trust Tom and to uh, appreciate those ideas that Tom has. It occurred to me that we might actually um, refer to these as epiphanies and since we're talking about epiphanies in this series, Tom, what does that mean to you and what do you view as the source for epiphanies
6: in your life? I think the source for me, from a spiritual standpoint, occurred during the very rough time of my life, which was the 13th year of life. I did not come from a family that attended reg- church regularly. I've only remembered a little bit about Sunday school uh, services. Later on, that changed. But during the 13th year, something happened and I won't go into it because it's fairly lengthy, that got me thinking about faith, of coming to know Christ. i wrestled with that during most of my 13th year to the point that I determined I was going to have nothing to do with this faith issue. That's a true statement. Then something happened, and it was very difficult for me to accept, but that simple faith sincerely worked and I'm thankful that it did that was the beginning if that had not happened I would not have had several especially one that I want to highlight today
5: thank you Tom so that's the source of epiphanies how do these ideas come to you how is it that you are constantly this person of ideas
6: remember that there's sacredness in the secular
5: has this been a lifelong process for you? When did you become this person
6: who thinks about things a lot? I think it really occurred after that experience. Because of that sincere doubt, mm-hmm. I began to question a lot of things. But, and there were several epiphanies, but one that really turned was when in Trinity, Texas, which eight years before the first dam was built to construct Lake Livingston, I had my first job in Trinity, Texas. And walking through the door was a person that asked me a question. And that question would, because it was in my first job, would you consider coming to Galveston to work there? And that was a epiphany. I did not anticipated and several things occurred thereafter Mm. number one i met jan it would never occur if i did not go to galveston number two our children were born number three later on i had another epiphany to consider going to new orleans Mm. but it all started back then how have
5: the ideas that you've felt compelled toward through the years have they made a difference in your own life, and have you seen them making a difference in the lives of others? Hopefully,
6: they've made a difference in the lives of others. They have in mine, because I keep thinking about those, and especially the reason it makes a difference is hard times occur in life, mm. and there are times that you wonder it's too rough. And then I reflect back to the epiphany that if God gave a sense of surprise, then there can be senses of surprises if I remain faithful to him.
5: Amen. What suggestions might you offer to the rest of us who want to allow uh, epiphanies to happen in our lives? And we want to be more open to God's leanings uh,
6: through, in and through us. May I find my way one eye Helper, which is glasses that a certain place in Waco has real inexpensively. And I suggest, and I keep referring to it because I indicated that the sacredness in the secular. And it's in Proverbs 3, 6. May I read from the Living Bible? Listen to God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, he's the one who will keep you on track.
5: Thank you, Tom, for um, sharing with us today. We appreciate it, and thank you for what you do in the, all of our lives. Thanks be to God.
7: On this
1: mountaintop seeing just how far we've come Knowing that for every step You were with us Kneeling on this battleground Seeing just how much you've done Knowing every victory Is your heart in us Scars and struggles on the our hearts
7: can say
0: God, may the words in my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I was sad to miss being with you all last week, and I'm grateful to Chad Eggleston for stepping in to preach for me while I was recovering from the flu, which is not at all how I was expecting to begin 2019. But I was especially sad to miss last week because Epiphany Sunday is really one of my favorite Sundays on the church calendar. I love this idea that the Magi saw a star shining in the sky and they followed the star all the way to Jesus. The story sometimes tends to get lost in the shuffle in the midst of the busyness of the holiday season, or maybe it gets misplaced and we put it at the nativity scene instead. But I believe that it's deserving of our time and attention because in it, the magi have an epiphany. They have an experience with God that completely changes everything for them. You know, it's interesting to me that epiphany, this word that is really rooted in our Christian tradition, is a very commonly used word. It's a term people tend to treat with some degree of awe and reverence, even if they're not using it in a Christian context. When someone says, I had an epiphany, it means something new sparked within them, something clicked that hadn't before, It means they had a realization or a revelation. And like epiphanies tend to do, afterwards, they are changed in some way. Like the Magi, whose epiphany ultimately leads them to go home by another way, as we read in Matthew 2.12. It's a sacred and beautiful thing when you and I have an epiphany. Maybe you've had an epiphany about a significant calling that God has given you. Maybe you've had an epiphany about something God wants you to say or to do or to be, about a place God is calling you to go, about a significant decision in your life. Maybe you've had an epiphany about the person that you were supposed to marry. Maybe you had an epiphany about the person you were not supposed to marry. Maybe you have had a burning bush type moment like Moses did, calling you towards something you previously never could have imagined, because epiphanies change everything for us. However, I think it is just as important to note that epiphanies, at least like the one that the Magi experience, are pretty rare. After all, Moses is the only person in the Bible who actually got a burning bush. There are so many more people in Scripture who were called to follow God by faith without a burning fire or without a bright star in the sky to guide their way. I love how author Stephanie Rees writes. She says, Most days there are no stars in the night sky. No signs, no epiphanies. Most days, I'm just treading along a dark path, half hoping, half praying that I'm heading in the right direction. Because what they don't tell you about epiphanies is that the star doesn't stay in the sky forever. After the Magi visited God incarnate, they headed back to their own country, back to their ordinary lives, Maybe their hearts were irrevocably changed, but life went on. So what does it look like to live out epiphany even when there's no miracle in the moment or even when the star has faded into the night sky? I think that is the question we must ask ourselves today. And that is the question that I believe the Israelites are forced to ask themselves in the wilderness in today's text. As Exodus 16 begins, we discover that it has been almost two months since the Israelites had their epiphany moment with God. It's been two months since that incredible night when God parted the waters of the sea and the Israelites marched through to the other side, finally escaping years of slavery in the land of Egypt and leaving Pharaoh and his armies behind. But it's been two months since that happened, and reality has set in. Now the Israelites find themselves in the middle of the wilderness without food, wondering how they're going to survive and totally unsure of what to do next. Their situation is dire and there is no visible way out. And so they begin to complain. Now, several commentaries I came across tend to poke fun at the complaints of the Israelites. One article I read actually called them nincompoops and greedy sluggards who were pathetically whiny. And you know, it's true, from the outside looking in, we could say, gosh, have these people lost all faith? Look at how God has provided for them in such miraculous ways, how God delivered them from slavery and parted the Red Sea just verses before. Do they not trust in God to keep taking care of them? Of course, it's easy for us to make these comments when we are not in the wilderness with them, on foot, with no food. You see, I don't think the Israelites are pathetically whiny. I think they are realistically human. I think they are just like you and just like me. After all, when the flu was lasting days longer than I had hoped or expected, I was not all that different from what we read in this text. But the beautiful thing about this is that God hears the Israelites' complaints. This text mentions that four times in verses 7, 8, 9, and 12, it reiterates that God hears them. So if you find yourself needing to offer a complaint to God today, know that there is space for that. There is space for that here in this place. There is space for that in our scripture, and there is space for that in the history of the people of God. God hears the complaints of God's people, and God provides for them with quail in the evening and manna in the morning. Day by day the Israelites are instructed to gather enough food for that day, no more and no less. And God provides exactly enough for what they need one day at a time. Now, if you've ever wondered what this manna is that they are instructed to gather, you're in good company. I don't think the Israelites knew what it was either, because this original word, man-who, means, what is it? So part of me envisions the Israelites like little children who, when we put something on their plate that maybe they've never seen before, they turn up their nose and they ask, what is it? But if you travel to the Sinai Peninsula, you will discover what it is. Now, I've shared this before, but I just think it's so fascinating The manna actually comes from a plant lice that feeds on trees. These bugs excrete a juice that becomes a flaky substance rich in sugars and carbohydrates. And then it decays rather quickly. And when it decays, it begins to attract bugs, which is why you probably wouldn't want to gather more than a day's worth. But even today, people who live there still gather up this plant lice substance and bake it into bread, which they call manna. Now, some people might hear this description of plant lice and begin to wonder if it takes out the miracle of manna from heaven. But Barbara Brown Taylor says this. She says, does manna have to come out of nowhere in order to qualify as a miracle? Or is the miracle that God heard the complaining of hungry people and fed them with bug juice, with food that it would never have occurred to them to actually eat? She goes on to say, if your manna has to drop straight out of heaven and look like a perfect loaf of butter-crusted bread, then the chances are you are going to grow hungry a lot. But if, on the other hand, you are willing to look at everything that comes to you as coming from God, then there will be no end to the manna in your life, because nothing will be too ordinary or too transitory to remind you of God. Perhaps the miracle is that God is always sending us something to eat. Day by day, God is made known to us in the simple things that sustain our lives. And you know, I can't help but wonder if the same is true about epiphanies. If our epiphanies have to come from stars in the sky or burning bushes, then you and I probably aren't going to sense God's presence in many different places or ways in our lives. If God can only be found on the mountaintops and in the picture-perfect, Instagram-worthy moments of our lives, then you and I are going to miss out on a lot. But if we open ourselves to epiphanies and new forms and unexpected places, then we just might be surprised about where God might show up next. Martin Luther King, Jr., often spoke of having a life-changing epiphany of all places at his kitchen table. It was late Friday night, January twenty seventh, 1956. He and his family had moved to Montgomery in 1954 for him to become the pastor of Dexter Avenue Baptist Church. He actually had no intention of becoming involved in some of the civil rights protests that were happening until the Montgomery bus boycott, which began when Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat to a white man. Soon, King was asked to become the president of the Montgomery Improvement Association, a group of pastors leading the boycott. But when he accepted, he said, I thought surely we could get this resolved fairly quickly. Two years later, tensions were escalating and it felt like they were getting nowhere. He had already been in jail once at this point for going 30 miles per hour in a 25 mile per hour zone. He'd actually submitted his resignation letter to this group, but none of them would accept it. And so he came home late one night after another strategy meeting only to answer a phone call hurling vulgar words at him and threatening to hurt his family. Now at first King had tried to brush off these phone calls but he was getting 30 to 40 a day now and they were getting a lot worse. And so King hung up the phone, walked to the kitchen, put on a cup of coffee with trembling hands and sank into a chair at his kitchen table. He writes, I was ready to give up. With my cup of coffee sitting untouched before me, I tried to think of a way to move out of the picture without appearing to be a coward. In this state of exhaustion, when my courage had all but gone, I decided to take my problem to God. With my head in my hands, I bowed over the kitchen table and prayed aloud. And the words I spoke to God that midnight are still vivid in my memory. He said, I am here taking a stand for what I believe is right. but now I'm afraid. People are looking to me for leadership. And if I stand before them without strength and courage, then they too will falter. But Lord, I am at the end of my power. I have nothing left. And I've come to the point where I can't do this anymore. And it was in that moment, he says, I experienced the presence of the divine as I had never encountered God before. It seemed as though I could hear the quiet assurance of this inner voice saying, Stand up for justice. Stand up for truth. And God will be at your side forever. Almost at once, he says, my fears began to go, my uncertainty disappeared, and I was ready to face anything. Three days later, King's house was actually bombed when his family was inside, and they just barely escaped. However, he said, it was that epiphany moment at his kitchen table that sustained him and carried him through. And he would go on to lead the civil rights movement until his death in 1968, 12 years later. You know, to this day, people tour the King's parsonage in Montgomery, Alabama, often asking if they could sit at that kitchen table where King had his epiphany that changed everything for him. Even the original coffee cups that the King family used are still in place. But you and I know that there's nothing supernatural about that kitchen table or about King's coffee cup. Just like maybe there was nothing supernatural about manna coming from plant lice. Friends, what is supernatural is that our God always provides. Our God always shows up even when we least expect it. And so I believe that the same is true for us, that epiphany moments are all around us, just waiting to be discovered, only they might not come in the forms that we expect them to be. But perhaps it's in the times and spaces when we least expect them that epiphanies can shine most brightly. As Pastor Brett Younger has said, following Christ takes us places we never could have gone without his leading. We have a desert to travel, a star to discover, and a life to be found. And so may we be people who are always on the lookout for epiphanies in all shapes and sizes. And then may we be brave enough to follow Wherever they lead. And so, God, I ask that you would give us open eyes and ears and hearts about the places that we might encounter you in completely unexpected ways. God, it starts with having that desire, it starts with seeing the sacred and the secular, like Tom shared earlier. Just like the disciples who followed Jesus in so many different places and ways and times, may we go and do likewise. May we be astonished at what we see and what we find and how we encounter you. Amen. Well, it's true that epiphanies come in all shapes and sizes, but the most important epiphany you could ever encounter is the one calling you to follow Jesus. And I wonder how many of us in this room can remember when we first encountered that epiphany and when that was planted in our hearts and in our minds. Well, if you feel like today is the day for you to respond to that call, we would love to visit with you about that in the back of our sanctuary. Maybe you feel led to join our community of faith here at Calvary, where we seek to follow Christ together in this place. We would love to welcome you into our church family today and so however god might be leading you to respond our ministers will be in the back of the sanctuary to visit with you and pray with you as we continue in worship
8: day by day and with each passing moment strength i find to meet my trials here Trusting in the Father's wise bestowment, I've no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is wise beyond all measure, gives unto each day what he deems best, lovingly heart of pain and pleasure mingling toil with peace and rest every day the Lord himself is near me with a special mercy for each hour all my care name is counsellor and power. The protection of his child and treasure is a charge that on himself he laid. As your days your strength shall be in measure this the pledge to me It says, O Lord, that I knows not faith, sweet consolation, offered me within your word. Help me, Lord, with toil and trouble meeting, to take as from a Father's hand. One by one, the days of moments fleeting, till I reach the promised land.
0: Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem a name which literally means house of bread. As a newborn baby, he was placed in a feeding trough, and he would later be called the bread of life. His body would be broken and offered so that all might have eternal life through him.
4: Today we come to the table.
0: Today we come to this table
4: to receive that bread because we believe that there is something here that will satisfy our hunger. No matter how long or how far we have wandered, we come back to the table to receive the sustenance that only God can provide.
0: In this bread and this cup, we celebrate something that we can't completely understand. Because God has made a house at this welcome table. Because God satisfies our hunger in the most unlikely places. Because God comes to be with us.
4: Now Now and and always. It is with this expectation that we come to the table to taste and see that God is here. And as we come to the table, we remember again how the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
0: In the same way, after supper, he also took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for you. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Friends, you are invited to come to this table. Come and receive strength for the journey. If you are new to Calvary today, we just want to say that we are especially glad you're here. We hope you will stick around for a few moments after worship and give us the chance to, to stop and chat with you and get to know you better. Um, and also, we have some people who are new in the sense that we haven't seen them in a while. I was so glad to see that, that the Kents are back with us today, and uh, we are looking forward to catching up with you all and celebrating a birthday, right, as well with Caspian. Um, I hope you saw in the announcement sheet, some information about men's ministry at Calvary. Dave McCarroll, Tom Purdy, and our men's breakfast group would really love some input from you. Um, And they've created a form for you to fill out to learn more about what the needs of the men are within our church and what a strong men's ministry might look like. And so if that's something you're interested in or have any ideas about, they truly would love to hear from you, and they'll be receiving that feedback through the end of the month. Also, I hope you've seen the news that the Children's Minister Search Committee is thrilled to share that they have a final candidate to present to us. Her name is Jenny Chilton, and Jenny, I'm not going to ask you to come, but maybe just stand up this morning and and wave at everybody. This is Jenny Chilton. We'll have a meet and greet with Jenny next Sunday before and during Sunday school for you to spend some time with her, and then we'll more formally introduce her at the end of worship next week, but we're looking forward to you getting to know Jenny better. But today, as we end worship, we want to take a moment to honor and to thank Nathan Spears. Nathan, would you come down and join me for a moment? Nathan has been our office administrator here at Calvary for the past six years, and so, so much of what happens in this place simply wouldn't have been possible without you and without your support and hard work so many different things from the worship folders that guide us through worship each week, the tower that lets us know everything that's happening. Nathan keeps such a close eye on this building and all the things that happen within these walls and even outside of these walls. Um, he's had a hand in so many building improvements and much needed repairs. Um, Nathan, you truly have been such a faithful servant in this place. And we just want to say thank you on behalf of the entire Calvary family for the many, many ways you have wholeheartedly given of yourself to this community. Can we thank Nathan? And so this Thursday will be Nathan's last day with us in the office. I hope you will share an encouraging word and a word of thanks with him as well. Nathan, this is a small token of our appreciation for all that you have done. And also in Calvary fashion, we have a cake in the Welcome Center as we leave today. And so I hope as you leave, you'll, you'll take a time to, to share a word of thanks with Nathan. Uh, We are working on finalizing a job description for our new office administrator, and we'll be posting that job hopefully within the week. And then also a job description for a building and grounds manager will be around the corner as well. Um, In the interim time, Dave McCarroll and Jeanette Rudd have both graciously offered to help us out in the office, with the tower, with the worship folder. And uh, Dave and Jeanette, we are so grateful for your support in this time as well. Well, please stand and join me in the benediction, and Nathan, we can walk out together. Friends, may the God who calls you from this place journey with you as you go. May God delight in you with joy, bringing unimagined graces. Walk with you in darkness, shining light along your way. May God be close to you in pain, giving strength for every moment, and comfort you in fear, granting courage to be brave. May God's love surround you. May Christ's mercy astound you. And may the spirit abound in you so that you live in the fullness of the God who is with us always. Amen.
7: So carry your candle.